Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for episode one of the Spirit Speaks podcast. My name is Veronica Giamanco, and I am just so happy to finally be doing this. I have talked about starting a podcast for over a year now, and about Four months ago, I decided I was going to go ahead and do it, and I recorded an episode one. I was posting about it on social media, and then it just kind of became something that wasn't my priority, (laughs) and I put the idea on the back burner, and it wasn't until this past week that I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it a priority to get this set up. I decided to re-record the entire episode and just have it be more authentic. Um, Initially, when I recorded episode one months ago, I was just so much of a perfectionist at that point. Um, You know, I've done some inner work recently and, um, you know, just kind of going back to the original recording, um, everything was just so (laughs) controlled and prim and proper and I had like scripted the whole episode and... I just said, you know what? Screw it. I want to just say what I want to say and I don't care what anybody has to, you know, say about it. Um for me, it's just I want to get my message out there, be authentic to who I am. And I've learned to not have everything so controlled and not everything has to be so perfect. And the thing is, I think a lot of times we actually hold ourselves back from, you know, doing the things that we want to do just because we're waiting for that moment of that perfect opportunity to come up. But, you know, in reality, that perfect moment never actually comes and it's never going to happen for you unless you just jump in and do it. So here I am just jumping in and doing the damn thing. So I'm really excited. Um, I think that it's really important for me to start with uh, who I am so that you guys get to know me and what my background is and how I even got to this point. So, um, you know, what I want to do very quickly um, before we kind of just jump in and get started I kind of just want to take a moment to ground myself and I ask that you please join me if you're able to, if you're driving and listening to this, please make sure that you're paying attention to the road. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so if you have the opportunity to kind of just briefly just close your eyes and just take a moment of silence with me, be present with me. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have a voice and I'm grateful for each and every single one of you who is supporting me through this journey and I'm just very happy to have the most aligned individuals who have truly just supported my journey this entire time and I know that many of you who are listening to this now have been here since the very beginning and I am forever grateful And I would like for all of us to go ahead and just take a very deep breath in. And exhale. Thank you, God. Thank you, source energy, spirit, the creator. However it resonates for you, whatever you believe in. I ask that you please provide us all here this evening with 
a lot of love, fill us with joy, bring peace to us. And I hope that each and every single one of you can take something away from each and every single one of these episodes. So, we'll go ahead and we'll get started. Let's take it back to the beginning. And before I really jump in, I want to just mention a couple of things. The very first thing is I don't want to throw anybody off by my consistent silence. I am very intentional with my words and I truly try and practice thinking, you know, clearly. So what I like to do is I like to truly think before I speak. And sometimes that kind of comes through in the form of me taking a lot of pauses, um, you know, just kind of taking a moment, a moment of silence to really think before I say something. So, um, you know, apologies for that. And I also want to say this, as I discuss my journey with you all, there's been plenty of people along the way, um, you know, friends, family, so forth. And, you know, to be completely honest, a lot of my life experiences have not been the greatest with people. But, you know, I want to say this. I want to remain as respectful as possible to those other individuals who have also been a part of my story. So I'm going to be very careful with the way that I tell um, certain things. Uh, I will also remain very respectful in the sense of I will never speak negatively um, about the people along my journey. You know, it is what it is. And, um, you know, nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. And I truly have learned to just kind of see the beauty in all experiences that I've had throughout the years. So, um, yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll jump right in. So let's see. Where do I get started? I really want to just kind of give you guys an idea of who I am, how I got here, what my upbringing was like. And I want to share with you, you know, my first spiritual experience with a spirit and also kind of talk about my first awakening. So I was born on May 18th, 1994. And for those of you who love astrology and the zodiac signs and so forth, I am a Taurus sun with a Virgo moon and a Virgo rising sign. And for those of you who love numerology and angel numbers, I happen to be born at exactly 2.22 p.m. It doesn't get any more divine than being born at exactly 2.22, right? (laughs) But um, I grew up in Southern California, uh, born and raised in the San Fernando Valley, I spent my childhood through my late teens growing up in Van Nuys, California. My mother was a single mom of four. And my work ethic and my strength definitely come from my mom. So I'm always very grateful for that. And, you know, life as a young child was very difficult. We were very poor and 
I was also just very awkward as a child. <laughs> I remember being very shy, being very intimidated. I think my own shadow scared me, to be completely honest. Um, it's interesting, though, because it wasn't always like that. Um, we were doing really well. I was really young. My mom was doing really great in the corporate world. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't remember what exactly it is that my mom was doing at the time career-wise. But I knew she had a really good job. She was making really great money at the time for one, being a woman. And two, being a woman in that industry. And, um, you know, she did the best that she absolutely could in providing for us all. And it worked out until my mom experienced two ruptured brain aneurysms at the age of 38, which was really difficult because um, myself and my younger sibling were really young at the time. I was about four and my younger brother was about eight months old. So that was tough because my mom had this happen and it flipped our world upside down. Um, she had a lot of complications after the surgery. Uh, she ended up having, you know, lifelong seizures till this day. You know, she still has them. And it really dehabilitated her. So she wasn't able to work after a certain point. Things got really financially tough. We couldn't afford rent. We could barely afford food. Um... It was really difficult because we also at some point ended up losing our car. So we had no method of transportation other than relying on other people. I mean, it was very hard. And now that and I am going to probably say that several times because it was really hard growing up in that kind of environment. Um, you know, again, just being respectful of other people's business. Um you know, in our household, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of trauma. There was a lot of, um, dysfunction. We were very, we were a very dysfunctional family. There was a lot going on. And, you know, the interesting thing is I, I, and I, I know we all have childhood trauma, but I can't even blame my parents for the trauma, the trauma in a way. Because it's not like it was, you know, one of those upbringings of, oh my gosh, my mom doesn't love me or my dad doesn't love me or they're abusive and they mistreat me. It was just trauma at the hands of others who were under the same roof as us. So we witnessed a lot of domestic violence in the home. There was a lot of abuse and drug use. And it truly affected me and I don't think I realized how much it affected me until, you know, I was an adult and realized truly how traumatized I was. But, you know, I've done the inner work and I'm in a much better place now, which is why I can speak so openly about my experiences. And that's truly why I decided to even start this podcast. I wanted to just put myself out there and talk about the things that I've gone through in hopes that it'll help someone else who could be listening, who may be going through similar situations, and just letting you know that everything is okay. And if you're listening, it's because you were divinely guided here. And I always, you know, hope that there's a message here for you. So 
um, as I was just kind of talking about my childhood, um, you know, I was just thinking back at the, the little details. Like, you know, we didn't even have, you know, running hot water. We didn't have electricity. We didn't have cable. In times that we did, it was because we were stealing it from other neighbors. <laughs> um, we didn't have internet. That was difficult because once I was in high school, I was actually homeschooled and I was enrolled in an online program. So that was interesting because I had to go to a neighbor's home every single day to sit at her dining room table and get all of my schoolwork done as quickly as I could before everybody, um, you know, got home from work in the evening and uh, it was like, you know, I always felt rushed and just, you know, trying not to be a burden on everybody. Those were some interesting times, but I can remember feeling very different from an early age. And I know it can sound so cliche and so corny, you know, when people say, oh yeah, like I just knew I was different and I knew I was meant for bigger and better. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't like I felt like I was special. I, if anything, I actually felt like I was cursed. <laughs> um, I just knew that I saw the world differently than other people. I was always very awkward and I always felt very out of place. In my, um, you know, schooling early years, like elementary, middle school, I was teased a lot for being overweight because I was the fat girl in school. So I did my best to stay invisible, which, you know, translated to me having a fear of being seen and being heard as an adult, which I've done a lot of work around now. And I can just remember always having a very deep connection to my higher self, even at a very young age. I can just always remember seeing things and feeling things before they happened. And I truly believe in many ways I was given that gift and that ability to help protect myself within the environment that we were living in. Because a lot of times I saw a lot of the bad things or the bad events that would take place in the home happening before they did. So it was almost like it gave me the opportunity to kind of brace myself and tell myself like, okay, you need to be strong because I definitely feel like something's brewing today. I always just remember little things like hearing voices, seeing things that I knew other people couldn't see, but not necessarily understanding that it was a big deal. Like not everybody can see and hear what you're seeing, right? I didn't have that awareness until way after. I can think back to my very first realization that ghosts and spirits and this whole other realm of entities existed. I don't remember my exact age. I want to say I was probably between the ages of eight or nine when I encountered the angel of death. And I didn't know it was the angel of death until a couple of years ago that I was speaking to a practitioner who I told this story to. 
And she brought it up to me and she goes, you do realize that was the angel of death. And I said to myself, oh my God, like I've, I've never thought of that. So I remember being, um, like I said, between the ages of eight or nine and mind you, we were living in a really small apartment. There were many of us living here there. And I remember on this particular night, there was no room on the floor. So I slept on the couch and I can remember waking up in the middle of the night and feeling the need to look behind myself. So like I turn over because I'm laying down and I'm like faced into the couch. And I remember looking back and seeing this tall black figure staring back at me. And I remember feeling immediately like, is this real or am I dreaming? And I was just really confused. I wasn't sure whether to be scared, <laughs> even though it was really scary looking. This figure was like a tall, it was literally like a man standing there. He was super tall, dressed in all black. I remember looking at his face and his face was that of like a black skeletal figure and he had like this black hat on. And it's funny. Um, I When I tell people this story, the way that I describe this, I'm like, how many of you guys grew up watching wrestling like I did? And do you guys remember The Undertaker? And when he would come out and do his intro, he would come out with the lights dimmed. And he would come out with his black getup with his long black trench coat, his black boots, the black hat, and his gloves. That is exactly how this figure looked, except it wasn't, you know, it wasn't human. He had a skeleton face, and I couldn't remember. He also had, like, a white light behind him, and it was, like, shimmer. And so I remember just kind of telling myself, like, you know what, turn around, go back to sleep. I remember being scared, though, a little bit because I remember throwing the blanket over my head and just passing back out. And I remember waking up the next morning and remembering, like, what was that? Like, I wasn't sure whether to say anything to anyone and just kind of blew it off as a dream. Well, a couple of nights later, I was listening in on a conversation between my mother and my sister. And looking back at what my sister was describing now, I understand it as she was experiencing some kind of spiritual attack. And I remember her telling my mom that she was kind of going through what felt like sleep paralysis, but she kept talking about how there was a spirit that she felt like was like dragging her around the house, but she couldn't quite scream. And then she had said to my mom, you know, I had seen something in my room and it really scared me. It was this tall black figure. And here I am listening and I'm like, oh my God. And I remember my mom chiming in and my mom mentioning, did he have this? And my mom was kind of adding some detail and I'm like, oh my God, this is real. What I saw was real. And at that point I was freaking out. I remember running right into the room and telling both of them like, Hey, did he have a hat on? Was he like, did he have a skeletal face? And I remember my mom was just like, Oh my God, you saw it too. And we were all three freaking out and just giving each other detail about what it was we saw and all the puzzle pieces fit. So it was definitely real. And we all agreed about what it looked like. So 
clearly this was something that was coming in, right? And so um, some time had kind of gone by and my mom had a very close friend who lived downstairs. We Again, this is an apartment, so she lived downstairs from us. Well, one day the people who the, um, actually lived right next door, she decided to gossip to the downstairs neighbor about my mom. And she starts telling the neighbor how my mom sneaks a man in every morning at 3 a.m. And that she sees this black shadow walk past her windows every night and right through our front door. And so, you know, she's trying to gossip and say, like, my mom is sneaking somebody in. And after we put the pieces together, we were like, oh, my God, this spirit is literally walking up the damn stairs and walking right through the door and the neighbor can see him. And I remember it because I know it was a big deal. My mom was like, maybe it's my son-in-law because my son-in-law leaves for work, but he doesn't leave until like six or seven in the morning. So you must be confused. And this lady was like, no, this is about three o'clock. Cause my mom ended up confronting her and was like, why are you talking shit and spreading gossip? That's not true. Well, after I think a couple of weeks, this shadowy figure reappeared and my mom happened to see it and my mom chased it out basically. She told it that it did not belong there and that he needed to leave and he walked right out the front door and from there we never saw it again. Now looking back, I feel like the reason I wasn't fully scared in the moment that I saw him was because I truly believe in a strange way it was almost like a warning to me about what my life would become because I have had a lot of struggles I've had a lot of hardship I've had a lot of traumatic things going on in my life and I know people will listen to this and be like oh my god the angel of death how scary when in reality I truly felt like this was sent to me to kind of give me a heads up of like, hey, things are not going to be as easy as you think. Be prepared and here is your warning. I also feel like the reason that, you know, my mom had seen it was because my mom had ended up having several near-death experiences um, after this took place. Uh, my mom had, uh, I believe it was two seizures that were so violent she had to be resuscitated uh, back to life on two of those occasions. And uh, my other sibling just kind of had, a, you know, a very tragic life, but I won't get into that. And so I truly believe that this angel of death was visiting to kind of give each and every single one of us a warning. It wasn't anything scary. It wasn't meant to be something negative, in my opinion. But that was my very first interaction with a spirit. Now, um, forwarding to several years later, I'm around the age of 17 at this point, And I am just trying to focus on finishing high school. We were kind of dealt some pretty shitty circumstances. And we were being evicted from where we were living. And I remember just going through a really hard time emotionally and mentally. 
during this time, I can just remember feeling everybody, everybody's emotions. And I remember it just putting me in like the worst possible depression. I cried so much every single day and I just could not pull myself out of the feeling of just feeling like my life was being sucked out in front of me and I couldn't stop it. So I always kind of tell everyone that my first spiritual awakening came to me at a very early age and it wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, you know, this is love and light and it's so positive and I feel so zen and, you know, you'll hear people talking about their awakenings and they make it seem like it's like this big blissful moment of, oh my God. I've been liberated. I feel free. For me, um, it was much darker than that. So my first spiritual awakening that I am, I have the awareness of was right at around 18 years old. I remember still just kind of struggling through life, trying to figure out what was next for me, trying to figure out who I was. My spiritual abilities were starting to really kick in. My intuition was strong. I remember just being able to channel spirit. I remember kind of going out in public a lot and just feeling really anxious. Again, I was socially awkward, but people didn't realize it was because of the fact that all of the energy I was feeling was just overwhelming me. So um, I dealt with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. That's how my spiritual awakening introduced itself to me. It was in the form of a lot of sadness and you know, unfortunately around that age too, like it just got to be so overwhelming for me that I actually reached a point where I wanted to commit suicide. I wasn't happy. I was wanting to just end it all. I just kept asking myself like, why am I here? Why was I brought here? I already kind of felt like we were living in a reality that was very distorted. I just could sense there was something bigger than myself out there and I was going crazy here. So for me, it wasn't one single moment where in that moment I had a spiritual awakening. It was pretty much like a, a period of time where it just gradually progressed and it progressed and it got stronger. And like I said, I was miserable. And I remember just feeling like I didn't really know what psychics were and what they did, but I felt this need to see one. And this wasn't something that was openly discussed a lot in our home. My mom was really religious. Um, you know, she uh, was Roman Catholic and went to church every Sunday. And, you know, the church likes to demonize spirituality. And talks about how psychics and witches are all the devil's work and it's witchcraft and all of that nonsense. Meanwhile, now I see who the real devil is. But it was really hard and I remember being like, okay, I need to find myself a psychic. And again, this is around the age of 18 I turned 18 in May of 2012, got my first job in August thanks to a family member, and I am 
always going to be forever grateful for that opportunity because it helped me so much. I had a lot of growing up that occurred with this first job. I also met my now husband through this job and you know a lot of life lessons came through that so I was you know until this day I'm really grateful for that but uh now you know I'm working and I'm helping out my mom and I'm helping her with my younger sibling mind you things were really tough still I am only making $11 an hour at this point and we are living with family and I said to myself, you know what, I want to treat myself and get a reading. So I remember there was a psychic. And if anybody is familiar with the valley, um, he was located on Balboa and Chatsworth. And to this day, there is a psychic shop there, even though it's not owned by him anymore. And I remember finding this shop and I went in for a reading and I can remember him charging me $45 for a 30 minute session. And that was the first time I truly ever felt seen and I felt heard. And I was just so thrilled that this man was just channeling all kinds of information that only myself or the people around me could know there was no way that certain things that he was talking about there's just no way he could have known a lot of the stuff that he was saying and so I found myself being really excited and I remember him offering to help me and here I am thinking oh my gosh he's offering to help me I finally found someone who understands me and who's willing to work with me boy was I wrong now this particular person he was an amazing reader he had such beautiful gifts and so did his wife because his wife worked there with him but they didn't use it in a very positive way and I remember them taking a lot of advantage of me and it's my fault because I was young dumb and desperate and I remember, you know, they took a lot of money from me and then it was money that I didn't have. So then I remember them kind of changing it up on me and saying, well, you don't have the money to do what we need in order to help you, but you can work it off. So I basically became their assistant when I wasn't at work and basically became their chauffeur or literally their private car service because I drove the wife around everywhere. If she needed to go shopping, I was the one she called. If she needed an errand ran, I was the one she called. Um, and it, after a couple of months, it got old and overwhelming. And I remember just being really frustrated. And I'm like, they're not helping me. And it's funny too, because I never mentioned anything to them. But I remember the wife calling me out one day and being like, I can sense that you're feeling really negative towards us and you must think we're scamming you and it's not like that we're truly trying to help you but you're just getting way ahead of yourself and uh, yada 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 she basically was just trying to tell me that none of the things that they promised me would happen have happened because I just wasn't there yet and maybe they were right 
And, you know, for a lot of the things that I look back on now, they were right. But, you know, when you're 18 and you feel like you're just looking for somebody to help you. And so you just kind of feel like, well, where's my help? Because I feel like I'm just going in circles. I got frustrated and, you know, she caught on to that. And I played it off and said, oh, you know, it's fine. I'm fine. Thank you for clarifying that. I think I'm just in my head a bit. Walked out of their house, never returned. I ended up finding another woman out in the Winneka area who was a very talented psychic. Um, unfortunately, I think she just had a lot of personal problems that didn't allow her to truly expand the way that I, I believe she deserved. Um, but she came along and she helped me in more ways than many who had offered to. She actually taught me how to read tarot and she kind of took me in and, you know, kind of like a, an apprenticeship and she had me come in and she would have me sit through her readings and she would show me, you know, how she was tapping into the energy and, you know, how uh, she would use her intuition with tarot. And, you know, she kind of went through like literally giving me lessons of what tarot was from a book perspective, you know, like, you know, this card per the book means this, but, um, you know, she taught me how to read tarot using my intuition. So she really trained me and forced me to, you know, pick cards at random. And then she would say, what's coming to you? Like just by looking at them, you don't need to know what they mean, what's coming to you. And I remember that being so helpful and I was grateful for her and unfortunately, you know, it just got to a point where again, I was feeling overwhelmed. Um, you know, she just had so much going on personally. She couldn't really be of help to me or herself and her personal life was falling apart and I was kind of left in the dark again, looking for some kind of answers or help from the universe and, uh, that is probably, yeah, that's really, I mean, the beginning of my my spiritual journey. I mean, between the very first spirit that I encountered, um, you know, face to face and going through this crazy period of an awakening where I felt like literally things were just falling apart. I had just finished high school. I was looking for a job. I found a job. Then I started getting really overwhelmed by the people I was meeting at the wonderful age of 18, I met my soulmate and my now husband. And that was a whole different uh, sense of overwhelming. I don't even know how to describe it. It was hard. And I'll get into that a little bit um, in a few on why that was difficult for me. And, you know, like I said, I just... I knew there was something more out there for me and I was just searching for something that I had no clue was out there. So uh, I spent a lot of time trying to seek answers and getting readings from every person left and right. Uh, got scammed a couple of times. Unfortunately, it happens. But that's all a part of the journey. So I'll get into a little bit more about what else triggered awakening after awakening in me. So, uh, like I said, 18 years old, 
and working for a mortgage company, I met my husband at the time. And I want to start by saying this before I really get into this story. There was nothing creepy or predatory about my husband and my relationship with him at the time. It was truly just a friendship. It was very innocent. There was nothing sexual. There was, you know, there was, there was nothing there in the beginning. And the reason I want to make sure to say this is because I know so many people out there love to be judgmental and they love to find something to judge everyone about. So I kind of want to make sure that nobody comes out saying something like, oh, you were groomed or whatever. I was 18 years old and my husband was 33. And yeah, that's a 15 year age difference. I remember upon interacting with him, I knew immediately that there was a deep connection there that I just couldn't put my finger on. Here's the funny part that I didn't mention in the beginning. I had never had a boyfriend. At this point, I had never even kissed a boy. I was very innocent, very shy, kept to myself. I had a very strict mother, so she really went above and beyond to make sure I wasn't talking to boys in a way that I wasn't supposed to be. So I didn't really know how to interact with men. I was really nervous. Uh, Never really had anybody interested in me, at least to my knowledge as well. So when my husband came around and I immediately sensed this really deep connection, I'm like, oh my God, it's my initial feelings are hilarious I felt no attraction towards him I actually felt like he was a bit cocky and thought he was a bit much for himself (laughs) but I knew immediately that he was the one that was really conflicting because I'm like this guy He's the one and I immediately remember just like getting like a tap to the head and I remember it being like I'm sure my spirit guides at the time that I didn't realize were like hello he's the one for you and we've put you both in this place so that you guys can finally connect and this was the beginning of basically my entire life. Our relationship was of just two colleagues working together. You know, we started off with high and by, and then it turned into having lunch together. And then just kind of realizing like, hey, we get along pretty well. Um, Eventually, we started hanging out outside of work. And I remember... It was about three years that we spent being just friends and it was cool. But the thing was, at some point, it started feeling more romantic on my end. And mind you, I kind of feel like on his end, he always, well, he he always knew as well. But I think, I always tease him, like, he led me on. He definitely led me on and then would break my heart repeatedly. 
um, you know, being his friend, right? Uh, I got to sit through hearing a lot of conversation about his personal life and how, you know, whatever was going on in his dating life. So like the different women that he was seeing and the different girls that were flirting with him. And he was in a relationship at the time. And I remember just always feeling like uh, I was dying a little bit inside each and every single time he would talk about his girlfriends or his dates or, you know, his one night stand, whatever, whatever it was. <laughs> um, I would die a little bit each time because I was like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. And I know I'm really young, but I want you to see me in a deeper way. And that didn't come for about three years. And here's the funny part. I actually was introduced to his grandmother. And his grandmother and him had a very close relationship. Um, you know, my husband's Italian. His grandmother was of a, a Sicilian descent, I believe. And so, you know, they're very family oriented. And his grandmother was his world. She had a lot of health complications and spent some time in the hospital. And as always, everything being so divine, um, my husband had an inner knowing that she was going to need someone to talk to. He knew that I lived in a very dysfunctional household and knew I needed someone who I could talk to. So he decided to introduce me to his grandmother. And I remember meeting her for the first time. Uh, he took me to visit her at the hospital that she was at. And I remember him walking away really quickly. Like he did the introduction and was like, Hey, I have to walk away and go to the bathroom and wash my hands or something. I remember her looking right at me and it's just us two in the room. And she looks at me straight into my eyes and she gives me this big smile. And she says, honey, are you in love with my grandson? And I was taken aback. I didn't know what to say because at this point I had been keeping it all to myself, not saying anything at all to anyone, trying not to make it look obvious at least. And she knew. She read me like a book and she just knew. And I remember being so thrown off. I remember just looking at her and I'm like, no, not at all. Like we're just friends. It's not like that. And she just looked at me and she kind of gave me this like smirk. And I remember her eyes. She just kind of like looked at me like, okay, like if you say so is totally the face that she had given me. And I remember for some reason it kind of like stuck with me and it bothered me that entire uh, hour that we were sitting there. I remember going home. And saying to myself, oh my God, I can't believe I lied to her. Like, I feel like I should, I felt guilty for lying to somebody that I had no, I didn't know her. And I felt so bad. And I think that was almost like God's or my spirit guides, source energy's way of saying like, you need to go back because she's going to play a big role in your life and in your relationship. Because at this point, I had been kind of feeling like I was waiting and waiting and waiting for my husband. Again, friend at that point. I was waiting for him to feel the same way. And it never showed. And so I was kind of reaching a point of, 
I was actually getting ready to distance myself from him. I was just already saying to myself, like, you know what? This is never going to happen. I'm only breaking my own heart because I'm just sitting around here. And this is never going to be more than what two co-workers going out to lunch and going out to a movie and just hanging out. And I didn't want to waste my time anymore. So I remember going straight back to that hospital by myself the next day. And I remember her being really surprised. She was kind of like, what are you doing here? And she was just giving me the biggest smile. She was an angel, Barbara. Oh, gosh, how I miss her now. But I just remember her being so excited to see me. And she was just kind of like, so what brings you here? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. But something tells me that I can trust you. So I wanted to come back and apologize for lying to you. And I told her that I was in love with her grandson. And I remember her lighting up and she held my hand. And she goes, honey, you can trust me. She goes, I'm not going to say anything at all. And I just felt this immediate connection with her. Now that I am, you know spiritually advanced I realized that she is one of my soulmates in this lifetime and I talk about this all the time online I always remind you guys soulmates are not always romantic connections they are connections that come to us good or bad to teach us lessons okay and sometimes we have soul contracts with people which in turn make them a soulmate and we come in and it's it's karmic sometimes, but it's needed. We are here to learn the lessons, right? So I look back now and she played a big role in my life. And I'm kind of reflecting like I don't think I've ever really had this realization until right now that I'm talking about it. So bear with me as I'm feeling a little emotional as I'm talking about this. But... um Her and I instantly clicked and we developed a very much so a mother-daughter bond. And I remember her looking at me and saying to me, you're too young right now. You need to be patient because I know my grandson loves you, but you are too young. And I remember her exact words haunt me to this day because she said to me, Wait until you're 21. When you're 21, I think he'll look at you differently. But you're just too young right now. And I remember her telling me, please don't give up on him. Please be patient with him. And thank God for speaking those beautiful words through her. Because if I had not had that from her I don't think I would have been as patient and I probably would have given up and I probably would have moved on and missed out on the beautiful relationship and the beautiful lessons that would come through this man and I'll go ahead and I'll end this part one here Because the next part of my story in talking about my development 
as a woman, as a spiritual practitioner, really came along with the relationship that blossomed with my husband. So if you've made it this far, I truly appreciate you. And I will see you for part two.